Hey y'all, I want to thank you for joining me for another episode of Something of That Essence. This is episode six, When Music Hits. I'm joined by the phenomenal Tasha Digital, also known as Analog Lady on Instagram, Twitter, at her website. She is a mom, a music historian. She is, and she has an appreciation for vinyl, film, music, culture, and the likes. So this is going to be a fantastic interview. Let's get into it. So I just want to thank you so much, Tasha, for joining me. I'm so excited to have you on. Today, we're going to talk about music, as you know, and you are like the perfect person to have this type of conversation with. So I'm just excited to have you on. You're a former co-worker. We used to work together. Um, but outside of that, you are like one of the nicest person people I've ever met. And um, you have like a ton of great ideas and you know, you're an overall fantastic um, creative person. So I'll let you take the floor and introduce yourself. Thanks for having me, Tanique. It's so great to be reunited with you on this platform. I'm excited about our discussion tonight. We did some really powerful work side by side in uh, the New York State Capitol. Um, at the forefront of the social justice movement out there, changing laws, you know, focused on uh, everything from public safety to climate change, healthcare. We've done it all. So shout out to us. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, and I actually learned a lot, of, a lot from you too in that space. So thank you for that, for being just such a sweet person. Um, but I really wanted to. So this title, obviously, it's When Music Hits. And I thought about that title because it was just like so much happening during the pandemic. Music is always like a safe space. And then like, I love your social content. So we're going to get into some of the questions that I have. Um, I wanted to start off by asking you, where did you get your love for music? And who or what inspires your taste? Oh, wow. Easily my grandmother. Uh, she's this sweet little lady from New Orleans, and she moved to New York in the early 70s. And she brought her taste for music and good food with her. Uh, I spent a lot of time under the wing, so I was reading album credits since I could read. You know, she had vinyl records, and my auntie had CDs. So I learned very early on what a sample is because I could hear a similar sound. And I wanted to ask you too, I feel like this is. A little you talked about the sampling which we're going to get into and um but i wanted to know who are you listening to now oh um, my goodness right now i just put out my summer playlist one of my summer playlists and i can tell you who's on there shine bad boys because he just performed that at the bt awards with newer newer lyrics you know i'm anointed and he put down for belize so i put that bad boys on my list uh a young woman named china streets she's from brooklyn um sadat x put out a new single um from his album that's coming out soon uh who else alligator alfred she put out a new song recently uh shay nor as well uh um japrane magnetic he's from dc uh who else prodigy prodigy's estate put his music back on um streaming platforms and we got a new song from him a couple weeks ago i hear there's a new album coming uh his daughter santana fox just put out an album um the girl next door that's the name of it and 
I love it. She is definitely a descendant of her father. I can hear it in her music and she does make references to him, very subtle references. If you if you pay attention to his lyrics, you can hear that in there. And last but not least, Aileen Bilal. I interviewed him. He, he's from DC. He's a, he's a recording artist and a producer. Nice, nice. Um, yeah, I gotta check out some of those. Thank you for sending me the playlist too. Um, I, I started getting through it. <laughs> um, so, I know some of, some of those artists that you mentioned are newer artists. People like Prodigy, obviously, are like a le legacy artist. Do you like any of the newer school rappers? Because I know you're like you like I know you like the tr the traditional um, and powerful, you know, hip hop in, in its rawest form. Are there any like newer era artists that catch your attention? Yes, absolutely. I am a sucker for a good sample, so. That draws me in and I always, I'm always a fan of combining a new sound mm -hmm. with a sound that people are already familiar with. Uh, that's, to me, that's the best way to reach a new audience because I'm, I'm fascinated by sampling. I, that's how I get introduced to newer producers and stuff like that too. Like I just, I love music across all different types of genres, but it's really hip hop that leads me to these other genres through the samples. And I, I learned so much about different composers and instrumentalists from before our time. Yeah, I've gotten a couple um, history lessons too, like on your social media. I love that you post about that. Um, and like you said, so much of what we hear today is literally like sample music, older music that's been sampled from the nineties. Like they're, well, it's older than that, but like, you know, the bad boy era did a lot of that. And then you're seeing a lot of like artists today doing the same thing. Well, I could say that um, the internet and technology definitely changed the way that we consume music now. Um, well, when I was growing up, I used to go to the Wiz or the local record store. I'm from Mount Vernon. So I would go to this record store called Yellow Bird on 4th Avenue. And that's where I would buy my physicals, vinyls, CDs, cassette tapes. You know, I used to look forward to that. I used to anticipate a release date for an album. I remember this when I was in high school, you know, sitting next to my mother's Iowa speakers in the living room, listening to my DJ Clue tapes, right? <laughs> so there was that era. Then when I went away to college, we all had computers and we all had LimeWire, Kazaa. So I was hearing all kinds of music that I never heard before, you know, music that was unreleased or forthcoming or like just a lot, a lot of music. So um, I will say the one thing that is consistent is the community around music, around culture. And it's not just about the music, it's about the revolution, creative freedom, you know? So um, th that was the past. Now, you know, fast forward, we had iPods, you know, now we have iPhones where you can listen to music, you can make calls, you can run a business from your phone. <laughs> we live in a global economy now and I, I can never, uh, no two days are alike for me. I can never tell you who I'll talk to that day or who I'll end up working with and stuff because of social media, we're all accessible. You never know who's watching. Um, last night, MC Hammer liked one of my tweets and I couldn't believe it. Yeah, <laughs> that was hype, <laughs> you know? So um, 
Yeah, that I mean, that's the nature of like the music cycle, but also um, the way that music is distributed. I talked about how it's consumed, but the way it's distributed now is still through major labels, but way more independent movements, independent artists. So I remember when that wasn't really a thing, you know, everybody was going after a major label deal, but um, artists like Cormega uh, from, from Queens, also uh, Half a Mill from Brooklyn, both of them put out independent albums around 2000, 2001. So um, that was like the beginning of the independent era, you know, in New York. They were already doing it down south in Master P and No Limit. So mm-hmm. uptown New York, there were a couple of people doing it, but not a lot. But I, I will say as like um, digital platforms started to take off, you know, Datpiff for mixtapes and stuff like that. Like I wasn't really buying mixtapes anymore, CDs or anything like that. I have a lot of them. I have a lot of instrumentals, but I wasn't really buying them anymore because they were accessible online, mm-hmm. you know. But now um, I still buy physical copies of music, vinyl, CDs. I mostly support independent artists that I connect with online. Um, Just, you know, it's different now as a fan. You know, if you if you feel the music, you vibe with it, you you have to support the artists, whether it's through buying their music, um, buying digital downloads, buying physical copies, buying their merch, tour tickets, you know, and if they're not selling anything, make a donation, you know, yeah. it's, that that's just the nature of the game. Now, um, everybody's pooling their resources together online using online platforms. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah, I actually didn't even think about that aspect of it, like how it gave, like you said, artists that flexibility to be able to reach their their listeners in a more independent way. Um and you actually spoke on the vinyl, and I, I did want to talk a little bit about that because despite their growing popularity, you've always had like such a strong appreciation for them. Um, so I want to know some details about your current vinyl collection and um, where did you get that appreciation for them? And like, also, do you find it like, um, do you find it more difficult now to collect them now that there's such popularity, or is it pretty much? How it's always been. Well, you you asked me a few questions. So yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, no, it's fine. I, I'm keeping up with you. Um, my grandmother was the one that introduced me to vinyl, you know, like Al Green, Aretha Franklin, Barry White, you know, all of that soul funk. I, I got that from her, you know. Um, as as far as it like making a comeback, like vinyl never left, you know. It's just that, um, you know, for a moment, digital was leading, but every year vinyl record sales increased by at least a million, you know? So um, we're probably at, if I'm going to guess, maybe we're at 18 million sales a year for vinyl records. Um, So the resurgence of vinyl, what what does that mean for the collector? Well, it depends on what you're collecting. For me, I do collect a lot of Black music, and I can tell you that in my travels, Black music is highly undervalued, Um, and I believe it's for a few reasons. Um, A lot of these record store owners don't know the value of what they have. Um, They're usually not treated as priority records. They don't have space for them in the store. They don't make space for them. 
So it's like they have to go. I noticed that a lot. I'm not saying every record store is like that, but a lot of them are. Mm, that's so interesting because like on the flip side, it seems like black culture or popular, like it's kind of become like the standard now. So it's like interesting to hear that, that that's like the, like what's going on. Cause I, you know, I'm, I'm learning a lot from you by, you know, hearing like the responses because. Yeah. Well, um, let me just add on too. like, I interview vinyl record store owners for my YouTube channel. And so far, there's only two record store interviews up there. Both of them closed down since I interviewed them. You know, like literally one of them, well, for both of them, I have footage inside of these record stores that are no longer open, you know. So um, for different reasons, not being able to afford to keep the storefront open and then also just new infrastructure coming to community. So they're tearing down mom and pop businesses to build, you know, transportation and stuff like that. So um, th that's a whole socioeconomic issue. But, you know, you see mom and pop record stores that are slowly leaving these neighborhoods and they're they're going to sell their record collection online. So then there's that. That's a whole nother game, you know? Yeah, uh, you did. You talked about um, growing up in Mount Vernon, being from Mount Vernon. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about that and um, ask you what role did that play in your ear for music? Because, you know, it's a lot of talented artists from Mount Vernon. Um, yeah. And like what, what, what role does that play in your ear for music and also your creativity? I love Mount Vernon. That's my hometown. I was born and raised there. Um, I'm the first one in my family on my mother's side to be born and raised in New York. Um, my mom is from New Orleans. She was born there. Her mother was born there and so on and so forth. So um, New York has a very special place in my heart because that's all I know, really. Um, but uh, as far as the music coming out of Mount Vernon, you know, we had Heavy D and the Boys, um, P-Rock and CL Smooth. So um, even Diddy lived in Mount Vernon, went to Mount St. Michael's. Um, at some point. So um, around that time, I would say like in the early 90s, um, my aunt made uh, Heavy D and the boys, she made their outfits for the Sprite commercial that they're on. You can see it on YouTube, but my aunt made their outfits. So my mom and my aunt, they, they make custom clothing for people they used to. So um, I was very closely connected to the music and the community. It's like, it's bigger than music. Music brings people together. Um, yeah, I didn't know that about Heavy D. I remember um, Diddy actually shouted Mom Vernon out on the awards, when he got his awards, mm -hmm. when he got his Lifetime Achievement Awards. What do you think? All right, so there's like a, what seems to have been like a resurgence of female artists. I, I don't know if that's offensive. I would say a resurgence of women in hip hop. Um, I was going to say, you know, our social justice <laughs> background, everything has to be politically correct, respectfully. Yes. yes. So um, yeah, I don't use that word. I say yeah. women. Women, yes. Or boo. Um, Two chains. Mm -hmm. I just call her boo. Boo. <laughs> um, yes. I don't want to offend anyone. Um, and it's all in love because I would not purposely offend anyone. Anymore. I know that. But um, but so do, how do you, what do you think about like the, you know, um, women are like 
you know, there's so many more women rappers. Some people will argue that like Nicki Minaj kind of kicked open that door or whatever, whatever the case may be, even though there were artists, plenty of artists before her that were successful. But what do you think about, um, do you like the direction that is going as far as like the women in hip hop compared to like some of the pioneering women of hip hop? Well, I'm going to say that women MCs like Queen Latifah to Little Kim, Foxy Brown, The Brat, Missy Elliott, they uh, walked so the girls could run, you know? So um, I will say like, am I a fan of this new wave of women MCs? Yes and no. I'll, I'll tell you the ones, I follow the more independent artists, not the ones with the major labels behind them, the machines. I like the authenticity of, you know, the newer independent women MCs. Um, I mentioned Shay Noor earlier, um, China Streets, Armani Caesar, um, Alligator Alfred. Like there's so many women out there that are really, really close to the culture and putting out the type of music that I like to listen to. Yeah, I gotta check them out. Um, Cause actually I haven't, I've, came across Prodigy's daughter's Instagram page recently. Santana but, Fox. But yeah, I'm I got it. I have no idea of like um the independent market and I I feel like I need to tune into more of that because it's huge. Mm -hmm. It's huge. I hear new music every single day. That's my business. Like Cool Herc said, my ear is my business. Mm. That's um, how do you like, what do you, you, what do you, um, use? Like, are there like any, um, oops, sorry, particular streaming platforms that you use to basically help you keep, um, your ear to like what's new and fresh or like, what would you recommend for like people that want to be able to hear like new, um, independent artists? Mm -hmm. I will say streaming platforms are cool. They have their algorithms. So they try to, if you push play on one song, they try to keep that similar sound and BPM going. But I'm noticing that there's songs that I hear every day that I continuously skip, but they always put them back in my queue. So there's definitely some stuff going on behind the scenes to make sure that certain artists and certain songs are heard more than others. You know, that's just the politics of the game. But um, what's frowned upon about streaming is the um, the payout for the artists. They don't pay them much of anything, which is why I like to have a balance between what I stream and what I buy. I try to buy digital downloads from the artists. Sometimes there are a bunch of MP3 files that I'm never going to download and use because it's not convenient. But I'm just buying it to support the artists, you know, that mm -hmm. I'm a fan of while I stream what I what I like to listen to. That, yeah, okay, so that's a good, I feel like that's a good nugget right there then. Like if you have an artist that you genuinely support. Mm -hmm. I will say uh, outside of streaming platforms, if anyone's looking for new music to listen to, that's good. I'm going to recommend platforms like OK Player. Um, they, they usually have very authentic posts um, celebrating, you know, black music and art. You know, so I would I would start with a platform like that. How do you feel hip hop has changed since the golden era? A lot. Hip hop has changed a lot. Um, there's so many songs that are um, about hip hop's evolution. 
a lot of the men MCs um, personify hip hop and make her into a woman in different songs. So you kind of hear the different influences and and different um, journeys that hip hop took. You know, I just feel like you know it started in a in a very like marginalized community and throughout New York, you know, and that spread throughout the world. Like hip hop is the most listened to genre on some of these streaming platforms. It's huge, you know, and it's still a very young genre. It's still growing and evolving. Um, the roots of hip hop come from other black music, jazz, um, funk, soul. It's like all of these genres that came before hip hop are a fusion together of this art form. You know, not to mention different sounds like drum breaks are bringing that feeling back. You know what I mean? I, I'll hear some drums on one song and I'm like, I've heard that drum pattern many times before, but it never gets old. So the mayor spoke about drill music, which is you know, <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it. <laughs> I don't really know the history of it. Um, but do what are your what are your thoughts on drill music? There's some other questions associated with it, but I just wanted to know, like, what do you think about that? It's such a controversial thing. Here's the thing: you have the mayor acting like C. Dolores Tucker was acting in the early '90s with these parental advisory stickers on rap albums and stuff like that. Yes, I agree. The music is violent, drug-infested. Um, it, it, it carries a lot of low-level energy, definitely. But I also believe that it's a reflection of the times that we're in as well. Like, that's why I love hip-hop, because, you know, back in the day, you would listen to an artist and you'll know exactly where they're from. Like, hip-hop was about repping where you're from. You know, nowadays, I come across newer artists I have to dig to find out where they're from. I have to like the name, the names of the production, the producers are not even always available to me. So I have to do a lot of research. Like I spent a lot of time researching every little detail because it's not readily available to us anymore. Like I really miss album credits. You know, I wish that um, there was more balance in the newer market. Like fine, it's digital but give us an experience that we're used to getting with physical copies of music. You know, we can't go to the store. We can go to the store, but typically um, people that listen to music online, they're not going to the store to buy um, a CD or vinyl that's in the plastic. They're not doing that anymore, you know, but I would like for more of that experience to exist, to exist online. You know, like um, today I was looking through my records and I found one by Aretha Franklin from like 1968. And on the back, there's a story. There's a story about um, behind the music. You know, and to me, that's what's missing. The the storytelling around the artist and, and what the stories that they're telling. You know, that conversation to me is missing a lot of the time. You know, some artists are still getting it right, but there are others that are still figuring it out. 
yeah that's so true that it's like it almost seems like the essence like you said it's like kind of like gone a little bit mm-hmm. um, as far as like you know drill music i i listen to it i i do enjoy some of it um to me drill music is bringing back that feel that i had when you know when golden era hip-hop i'm not saying the content is the same because golden era to me was more conscious but with like drill music you you can tell where they're from you know, the city that they're from has a distinct sound within that drill music genre, subgenre of hip hop. Um, so like I gravitate toward G Herbo, Little Dirk, Cowboy. I listen to a lot of Chicago drill rap, you know, but there's some New York drill rap that I like too, you know, and I do agree the the content is very violent, it's very vulgar, but um, like I said, it's a it's a reflection of the, these kids and their journey. And, you know, you see it all the time. There's pictures going around of young young boys with weapons, like serious, hurtful weapons, violence, you know, but we have to look to the root of that. Where Where is that coming from? It's, it's not something that they invented. Yeah. So you spoke a little bit about being from Mount Vernon and, um, I wanted to ask you about DMX. <laughs> um, I know DMX, he represented Yonkers a lot. And that is a part of Mount Vernon, isn't it? Is it? Yonkers is the next town over okay. from Mount Vernon. Um, Mount Vernon and Yonkers are both in Westchester County. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in lower Westchester. You know, Mount Vernon is on the borderline of the Bronx and then also Yonkers. Uh, DMX was born in Mount Vernon, but raised in Yonkers. Um, I read that in his autobiography. So I was like, wow, I never knew that Um, because he's always talking about Yonkers and School Street because he grew up there. And how I feel about X, like he's near and dear for so many reasons, you know, Um, just his connection to the community um, within music and even outside of music. Um, I remember being at like one of my family friends' barbecues and he was there. He was freestyling at the barbecue. You know, this is before he really became famous, you know? So, um, yeah, I, it, it, we took as a, um, the hip hop community took a huge loss when DMX passed away, you know, but he definitely made an impact on our world. My son um, came across DMX on YouTube. He he was saying um, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, you know? And my son got a kick out of it, you know? So X was very, um, universal in that way what do you think about the another group very close to dmx the locks and versus (laughs) i love Um, the locks i do um the locks i first heard them when i was in middle school and their first album came out when i was in like ninth grade i still have the cd money power and respect um like i said yonkers is the next town over so people from mount vernon no people from Yonkers are related to people from Yonkers. So I, I'm not surprised when I see people from my hood in another hood that's close by, mm-hmm. you know, but um, I love the locks. Um, like Cormega said, longevity is earned, not given. Uh, these guys, they're aging backwards. Um, they're heavily involved in the local communities uh, with the juice bars uh, at Yonkers, Castle Hill, Brooklyn. Um, I support their movement heavy, like inside of music and outside of music. 
for me, the artists that I connect with and I support is really important for them to be connected to the community and the issues that matter to us because they are the gatekeepers. They are the influencers. So we need them to be a voice for the community. I feel you on that. I definitely do. And and I feel like that's kind of what like a lot of the, I don't even like, I would say legacy artists since, you know, they were like a part of hip hop at the time where it really, really got the reputation that it has. But I feel literally feel the same way. Um, and I feel like that's what's kind of like missing from a lot of the artists today, like the new artists. I feel like they don't really feel that responsibility to be connected to the community. Um, but I wanted to ask you, what did you think about the 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 um the verses between Dipset and the Locks? Like Fat Joe said, uh, yesterday's price is not today's price. Jada Kiss is incredible. So is Styles P and Chic. I love all of them for different reasons. You know, I love them collectively together, but I also appreciate them as solo artists. All of the collaborations that they've had across not only hip hop, but all these different genres. I actually went to a lock show in Connecticut before um, with some friends of mine. We, we were on the side of the stage with them and I was like, wow, I couldn't believe how many songs they had that are just great. And not even just the songs on albums, but also mixtapes. They brought that back that mixtape feel from like the 90s and stuff. So it was very nostalgic for me. You know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the locks. Definitely one of my favorite groups. And I am biased because we're from the same place. <laughs> I definitely feel you. I mean, but it's earned. Like you said, it's definitely earned. You could tell they really think about their lyrics and what they're saying. That is so appreciated because the stuff people be talking about today, not not to, you know, talk down or anything like that, because I can do it if I tried. Um, real. <laughs> <laughs> um, so also you mentioned Prodigy. I know that you are a huge fan. How do you so know that? <laughs> your social media, because you've posted about it. <laughs> um, so I want to talk, what 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 drew you into mob deep as a group okay so um i remember when i was in elementary school and i when i come home from school rap city would come on at four o'clock you know and they would play all these hip-hop videos and stuff but um mob deep shook ones part two they they played that for months you know and that song really grew on me and I, I watched it and I was like, wow, they're outside of their projects. Like at the time we were living in the projects in Mount Vernon, you know? So to me, I was young and very impressionable. It's like, well, if they could be on TV and they're from the projects, like we could do that too, you know? So that's how I became a fan of Mob Deep. And then um, to me, their, their music was a lot more digestible than um, other artists. People always ask me, you know, who do you got, Nas or Jay-Z? And I'll be like, I got Prodigy. Like, I'm from that <laughs> Prodigy era. It's not that Nas and Jay aren't dope. They're they're prolific MCs. But from my timing, like, it, it's Prodigy. And I don't judge people based on the music that they enjoy because a lot of the music we gravitate toward is associated with our memories. Like, every time we talk about music or a song or a group, I'll take you back in time to when I first heard it and the impact it had on me and why I became a fan. Um, so, would you say that Shook Ones is your favorite song by Mob Deep, or do you have like another favorite? Um, 
it's hard to answer those favorite questions, but because I like their songs for different reasons. Um, Where Your Heart At comes to mind. Um, that's that's a hood favorite um, because it just reminds people of loss, you know, people that they lost. Um, so that, that song is heavy on me. Um, Illustrious of the organs i really love the organs on that production so a lot of the music that i gravitate toward it's yeah the lyrics are dope as hell but it's also the production too that i feel like the, like i told you the drums like the drums are everything you know once you start feeling that pattern that's it you know so it's really a combination of the lyrics and the the sounds that get me i definitely feel you um, yeah, I feel like they're really known for like beats, powerful beats, but I feel like that was, yeah, definitely. Um, so what about and Prodigy? I know you are very a fan of Prodigy. What's your favorite line by Prodigy <laughs> or favorite song? But Prodigy, the line. Yeah. Prodigy is the king of opening lines. Um, the one that comes to mind is Keep It Thorough. I break bread, ribs, $100 bills. Hey. <laughs> I'm not going to say that's my favorite, but it's up there. It's up there. Okay, so, and and light of verses. I off the realness. Hey. <laughs> this one's part two. Um, who would you say is a formidable co opponent to do a versus with Prodigy if you were alive today? I haven't even thought about that. I haven't thought about it. I'm sure it's a conversation online mm -hmm. and I try not to even engage in those like who's better or you have to, you have to delete one forever. Or is, I see that stuff all the time and I'm like, I couldn't even think that way. My head would hurt, but who could go toe to toe with prodigy lyrically? I, ha I have to think about that. Okay. I have to think about it. <laughs> I don't know why most deaf came to my mind, but I'm like, no, because they're like totally different, right? <laughs> <laughs> they're like not even the same type of artist. But I don't know why I thought about that. Like for some reason, most deaf popped right into my head. Um, so when I visited your website, I noticed that you um, did a segment about Prince with Fuse TV. So I want to talk about that. I thought that was so cool. I want to know how it came about and also um, some Prince. Yeah, so how did how was that? How did that come together? Um, that was an amazing experience. That was my first time on television. Um, thanks to Prince, rest in peace. Um, I was going through some tough times in my personal life, and I got an email from the producers at Fuse. Um, someone recommended me to be a part of this Prince uh, tribute. Um, I think it was his second uh, death anniversary that we were putting out this content on. Um, so I got myself together. I put on my purple blouse. <laughs> I showed up at the Fuse TV studio in Manhattan. And I didn't know who was going to be on the segment. But when I got to see it for the first time, not only did I see like a lot of my music peers that are well-respected, you know, DJs, artists, historians. Uh, Lizzo was on there. <laughs> you know, Seven Streeter. Like there were people in there that are, you know, young, up and coming, as well as my peers. So I was like, really, I'm, I'm still really impacted by that experience, you know, and, and just being able to celebrate Prince and everything that he, he is and, and 
that he still is, you know, the influence that he's had across different uh, generations. It, it's very real. It's profound. You know, and then I, I also highlighted some of the influences that he had from other artists, you know, like Jimi Hendrix with the, you know, with with the clothing that he wore, you know, similar, uh, I, I want to say androgynous clothing, you know, um, Prince kind of shared the same vibe as Jimi Hendrix back in the day, but more, um, more of a clean look, more feminine in a way you know, with his, with Prince wearing his makeup and stuff like that. So um, just, that's just talking about his appearance, but his music and the whole vibe, you know, you get Andre 3000, Janelle Monet, Miguel. There's a lot of artists that to me are, you know, very influenced by Prince. And that um, opportunity to be on Fuse TV led to me being contacted by an organizer at New York University to be on a um, to participate in a symposium on Prince's Love Sexy album that came out in uh, I believe eighty eight or eighty nine. So I got to speak at a um, at a university for the first time because of Prince. So yeah, his his spirit is um, very powerful in my life. Yeah, when I saw that, I was like, that, I thought that was so dope when I saw it. I was like, yes. <laughs> it's funny because you would never know that working side by side with me in the office that I have this other life, this vibrant other life. But it's all tied together. Like, it's all connected through the community. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was amazed. Like, when I, like, like you know, became social media friends and stuff like that, I was like, no, this is so cool. Like, it's cool when you can have, like, you know, the work stuff is the work stuff, but I, and I like learning new things and stuff like that. So I thought that was so dope um, to be able to work with somebody that has so much experience and so much talent and stuff like that. So, you, yeah. Um, you, of course, you're welcome. Um, so I know, like you said, you mentioned your son and him um, discovering the DMX <laughs> root of the red nose. Um, and I know that you also do share a lot of your passion for music with him. So I, is he starting to pick out like his own tunes? Does he have his own favorite artists? Yes, I feel like I live with a teenager because um, if my music is not blasting, his is blasting from me. <laughs> um, he loves music. He loves all different kinds of music. Um, I remember him listening to Bobby Caldwell, you know, What You Won't Do For Love. He was playing that, and I was just like, you know, I didn't understand the connection. And then there was a time when he would play um, Biggie Smalls' Big Papa, and I and I couldn't understand why. And then um, we were hanging out, and the song came on, and it was just one line that he he was like, I like that line. Um, Junior Mafia, I don't know what the hell's stopping you. That's the wow. line he liked, you know? So, um it, it's fun because he he recognizes samples, you know, mm. drums. He'll he'll recognize the drums. It's like he, I know that's my child. Like he's yeah. he's into the same things that I'm into, especially with the music. You know, it, it's great. And I have him reading a lot of books about Black culture and history and stuff like that. So, you know, what did James Brown say? You got to take these kids and raise them up. <laughs> It's a lot of work, child. Uh, yeah, I can imagine. But 
that is i mean that i'm thinking about you said the what the hell stopping your part <laughs> that is funny like and the fact that he was able to make that connection between the sample and the the song that's that's really dope that's dope he does it all the time i like when we're in the car i have to turn my music down when he's talking so i can hear him and he'll be like mom isn't that he recognized um i was playing timmy thomas one day and he was like didn't drake use that for hotline bling and it's not an obvious sample, but he knew that, you know? So he's, I'm always amazed by him. There might be a future there in, um, in the music. That's really dope. Yeah. Outside of him being my child, I'm like really amazed by his thoughts and, you know, what, what he, he's into, you know, but he comes from, his dad and I met in a recording studio 20 years ago, you know? So he comes from music. Have you ever thought about like actually making music, like like rapping? I make or music. Oh, you do. I make music. Yeah. Oh, do you sing or you rap? I play the saxophone. Okay. Okay. When I was seven, mm -hmm. I used to rap more often. I still do every once in a while, like just with my friends for fun. Um, I love music. I love learning about it, creating it, experiencing it. I, I go to a lot of live shows. Whenever I get the chance, I'll fly out for a show, you know, for the experience. So um, I, I did have some things that I wanted to, like, discuss with you. But um, yes, yes let's, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> no, just, um, you know, in, in closing about, like, where we are um, as a society uh, and, and socioeconomics and how that plays into, you know, our community and how we survive, you know, um, people are struggling right now. Rent is going up um, in New York. Uh, a lot of New Yorkers are being pushed out of New York, um, but this is happening everywhere. You know, it's not just unique to us. And um, I guess this question is for you, like where, where do you find yourself in this space and, and what do you see for like the future? Um, you know, I actually just saw a news article, um, Housing Justice. They posted an article about how in New York City, it just hit a historic high of $4,000 for them as a medium, like, rent. I mean, that's how I live. Why well, I live in Albany now. Definitely was pushed out of the city when I was in high school. Um, you know, family going through housing insecurity, dealing with slumlords, before they started, before they actually passed certain regulations to prevent like landlords from taking advantage. So that's the story of my life. I feel like in this space right now, I feel like I'm kind of like where the collective is. Like we're all just trying to like, I guess using this time after the pandemic to realign our principles and our values kind of, at least that's why I feel like I'm at like mm -hmm. slowing down, trying to catch myself trying to like remember who I am because I feel like I was trying a lot to fit into certain spaces of like you know like all right you you go to college you do this you do that you have to figure out like who you are professionally and I was actually having this conversation with one of my friends and I would I feel like when I look back on like some of the challenges that I had I wish I had more backbone like even when it comes to being a black woman and go enter in spaces that are not exactly like i'm not gonna say they're unwelcoming but they're not really catered to like the black experience like the the mm -hmm. psychological stuff we go through 
So I feel like I was in a very vulnerable mentality because I was walking into those spaces ashamed of who I was instead mm -hmm. of like celebrating that I'm a girl from the Bronx. I grew up this way. I didn't have the, you know, I didn't, because ultimately you're, when you get into those professional spaces, it's like you're competing with people that had a little bit more support than you. And it shows. Absolutely. Um, it comes, it can come across as entitlement, you know, when you're dealing with certain people um, of privilege. Um, I, I can relate to that. Just being in my field for almost 20 years, media, marketing, PR, um, and, and now more music and film. I, it's, you know, when I, when I see people that look like us, um, I'm inspired by it, you know, because these are spaces where there, there literally was no diversity when I first was working in these companies and stuff around New York City. So um, it, it makes me feel good to connect with more people of, I don't wanna say people of color, but connecting with more marginalized communities and bringing um, digital and tech and music to the forefront, as well as social justice, everything is aligned, mm -hmm. you know? And, and in closing, I just want to say to you, like you're you're very strong, even when you feel vulnerable. But it's one thing to be strong, and another thing to know your strength. So I feel like in this journey, you're learning your strength. You know, I, I've watched you evolve, like from head to toe. You know, professionally and personally. You know what I mean? And just figuring things out. And you're still young, so you got time. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> Because I'd be feeling like the time is like, but, you know, I think, I don't know. I feel like now a lot, like, I, I don't know. Because I feel like I'm still in the, still trying to figure it out as far as like what my day job is going to be. Like I'm still job hunting and stuff like that. So as far as that, I'm just like, you know, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. In the meantime, just trying to do the creative stuff. That's kind of been like a saving grace, honestly, like. But yeah, I, I feel a little bit more hopeful because I feel like community is, there's like, you know, like, I feel like um, groups of people that kind of always felt a way about how things were going. And it's like, now there's like a, a avenue opening up for us all to kind of meet up and decide what we want to do together as a community. And like a space is opening up for us to be able to like, whether it's growing our own food and things like that. And learning how to be um, self-sufficient and stuff like that, where we don't have to rely too much on this oppressive system and stuff like that. So I feel like the old world, so to speak, is kind of like stripping away so that the new one can like, but it's, I don't know, I think all hell is going to break loose first because <laughs> it kind of already is. Yeah, all hell has been breaking loose for centuries. You know, um, it's it's nothing new. It's just that um, we're, a lot of us are blind to it because we have certain privileges that generations before us didn't have. And I'm constantly reminded of that. You know, I, I think about my grandmother that passed on when I was younger and the circumstances around her lifestyle and, and why it was, you know, um, just timing. You know, I, I was born and came up in an era where tech was evolving and that changed my life, you know, but I'm from the same cloth. Yeah. So what are you, what are your thoughts? Like, what do you think about like the future as far as like, 
the collective? Um, do you feel like there's enough ground that's breaking? Like there's a lot of groups that are talking about like calling out the corporations and you see like all the stuff that's going on with the government. Do you think there is a bright spot in everything that's going on? Well, um, in some ways, yes. In other ways, no. Uh, a lot of our freedom fighters are still incarcerated. Um, they're, they're aging them out of, um, not aging them out, but they're, they freed um, Sundiata. He's, he's coming home on parole. He's in his 80s. His, his, health, his health is not that great. You know, um, Mumia's diabetic. Um, Mutulu Shakur is, I think he has like stage four cancer. So, um, you know, our, our, our elders are, they're passing on, you know? So where does that leave us today? Like there are these like new age movements popping up. Um, they're getting a lot of resources from everyone, but I look to organizations like the one that you and I were a part of, and they've been around since the eighties, the early eighties. And what they do is tried and true. Um, they're, they're very grassroots. They, they don't spend a lot of money on the movement. You know, it's, it's a lot of like what you know that's going into the work and the change that we're making. You know, it, it's all, we're bringing all of our expertise and, and subject matter expertise to the table to, you know, write these policies and bills that become laws. You know what I'm saying? We we did more with less. So um, some of the newer age organizations they they have more resources, and they're to me they're they're making impact. But I feel like they would benefit more if they if they studied the, um, our ancestors and what they did. You know, mm -hmm. and the changes that they made. Because I feel like it's more impactful. Yeah. Do you think the concept of leadership is dead? No, no, um, not with me. Um, to me, a leader uh, will adapt to any situation or circumstance. You know, um, I'm never afraid to, you know, come into a situation and roll up my sleeves. I may come in with one role and end up with a few more. You know, that's that's what I bring to every situation that I that I'm a part of. You know, so I, I believe in leadership and there's a lot of resources out there for us to take advantage of as well um, for for adults and children, families, communities. There's a lot of resources out there for us to really take advantage of, you know, like I have my son in these like, um, you know, computer programs or video game design, just him taking a break from being in front of the computer computer and being um and watching playing these video games to understanding the mechanisms behind these things that he's so into so i try to divide his time between recreation and education i can't even speak i was going to say i feel like a lot of it seems like a lot of parents aren't necessarily giving their kids that type of balance with it but then i'm like i probably i don't even want to speak on something i don't really know to be sure but yeah everyone's situation is different you know yeah. with my son it's a it's a little difficult to get him out of the house you know on a regular day you know just to run some errands he he wants to stay home and i'm like you're too young 
you know, you need to come with me. And I and I don't spend too much time out because I know he's going to get restless. He's going to start rushing me and <laughs> stuff like that. So I have to push him, encourage him to want to, you know, do more. Like I try to get him to read until about noon before he starts playing his games, you know, and then just leading by example, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm asking him to do something and I'm also partaking in it, you know. I'm not a perfect parent by any means. I don't know what perfection looks like as a parent, you know, Um, but I just try to show him the things that I wanted to know or be shown at that age, you know? Yeah. Let people know how they can reach out to you. They have any, or like services that you offer as well. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Like I said, I've been a marketing, um, media, PR, publishing professional for, you know, 18 years now. (laughs) Who's counting? (laughs) So um, through that journey, I was able to apply what I know, what I've learned to what I'm passionate about, which is arts, culture, music, stuff like that. Um, I started my agency um, more than 10 years ago. It's called Analog Media Group. And I named it after my online name in the music community, which is Analog Lady. And through that agency, I work with all different types of small businesses, uh, creative arch- entrepreneurs, you know, um, music artists, producers, you name it. If, if, if I have experience in that industry, in that lane, um, chances are I'll be able to bring some meaningful insight and strategy to the table to work on these campaign. So um, on the music side, I produce films. I license music for films. I clear samples for people. Um, Right now I'm co-writing, I'm collaborating with a few um, music artists to write books. Um, I help independent artists um, connect with some really authentic promotional platforms. You know, um, right now everything is pay for play. So it's kind of hard to like, you know, decide where you should spend your resources as an independent artist. So I help artists in that way. Um, usually I end up writing their bio or, or their first press release, or I end up buying, making their first sale, you know. So I try to empower music artists to, you know, uh, take this independent industry by the horns and and really just make their mark on it. You know, it's it's not a formula that that's going to work for everyone. You know, I get to know the person or the entity and I approach my campaigns in a very holistic way that's true to that person. And all I'm doing is helping them uh, express themselves or showcase their their creativity through different channels, through different digital and traditional channels of promotion. Um, yeah, so where can they find me? Yeah. Um, everywhere, uh, Analog Lady, all over social media, um, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and also my website is analoglady.com. Um, on the more um, professional side, there's tashadigital.com. Uh, you can also find me um, on LinkedIn as well as I have a Twitter for Tasha Digital. I don't use it that much, but I have it. It's like a backup account. Um, yeah, so that's how you can find me. Uh, Tanique, thanks for having me on something of, the es- something of that essence. Um, it's great to see you out here using your voice. It's very powerful. Um, I always enjoyed reading your writing um, every Saturday afternoon. 
<laughs> I used to get your newsletter, you know, um, I, I'm a huge fan of your your writing and, and your expression and your journey and you as a person. So I really ap appreciate sharing this moment with you. I appreciate you joining me. I really do. And um, and I'm also very inspired by you too and your work and everything. So, and I look forward to us doing more stuff together in the future. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so thank you so much. Thank you guys for joining us. This is an episode of Something of the Essence and we are closing out. Thank you.